0: You're listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, episode number two.
1: Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler.
0: Thank you so much for joining the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast today. I am so excited about our guest. Today we have Alex Hyman here with us. He is the owner of Phil Hyman Photography in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, he does a lot more than just take pictures, so he's definitely one of those that's a mover and a shaker in the business community here in Greenville, South Carolina. He's got a lot of great ideas, a lot of good business experience to share with us. So uh, let me be the first to say welcome, Alex. We're so glad to have you here with us today.
1: Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what all we uh, uncover and see uh, what we can talk about. And I'm sure by the end of this, we'll have a little better idea of each of our backgrounds and know a little bit more about each other. So, why don't you go ahead and start by sharing with our listeners um, a little bit about your history? Both, you know, you can share personal, we want to get to know you personally, a little bit about what type of person you are, and then also share a little bit about the history of your business and professional life. Okay.
1: Well, you know, I tell you what, let me start out with the business. Because okay. you will you'll see quick how the business and personal just kinda intermingles with each other. Okay. Um because gosh, you know, that's I I certainly don't have two separate lives, uh especially when running a you know, any entrepreneur will tell you there's no such thing as two separate lives when you're when you run a business. So uh actually our studio started about forty years ago um wow. by my father Phil Hyman. Um and you know, he started out photographing weddings and family and children and you know, so really I just grew up in the business. Um, matter of fact, he would pay me five dollars a wedding to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're talking about child labor.
0: He got a deal, didn't he? <laughs> you know, I was
1: I was eight years old going to wedding, um uh, going to a wedding carrying equipment and Uh, setting things up. and But, you know, really, I was just looking at that $5. What could I buy for $5? Or, you know, hey, we have two weddings this weekend. That's $10. You know, so I I would just save up my money. But really, little did I know what I was learning in the process. So it just kind of kept going from there. Um, I started photographing weddings, uh, not by myself, but I would photograph the receptions when I was 13.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And by the time I got to age 15, I was photographing, you know, the entire wedding, and I would, I wouldn't tell, I would actually lie to the brides and tell them that I was 18, because who wants a (laughs) 15-year-old photographing their wedding?
0: (laughs) Yeah, suddenly all the hot preteen girls got a lot of photo time, right? exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: yeah, it, it, that was really interesting, and uh, you know really that's how I got started in you know working in the business is weddings and because that would give me money and things to do on the weekends uh, and But then I got out of high school, and uh you know I was still photographing those weddings and going to college, and you know. It was really interesting in college, you know, well, what am I going to take, you know, photography? (laughs) No, um, because my dad, which my dad, he he's a very accomplished photographer. Um, He has his master's degree and he has uh, spoken taught all over the United States um, teaching. So that was, you know, he said, you know, I want you to go to college and get a business degree. Okay. And he, so I said, well, I'll go to Greenville Tech Community College and get my associates in business. And I said, but how am I going to learn photography and marketing, the marketing of photography? He said, well, he said, I want you to choose eight photographers, and he said, let's sit down and go over the list and just kind of go from there. And he said. Less you can go spend a week with each of them. He said, ah. he said, I'll call and arrange it, and you take care of that.
0: Wow, kind of an internship on that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Oh, an apprenticeship or so
1: something. So I thought that was the coolest thing. I get to travel and, you know, a couple of weeks out of the year, and so it, it was a lot of fun. Um, But, you know, so I just got even more involved in the CEO and – then, gosh, I got married and we have kids. And at the point of where, when my wife, Becky, when she was pregnant with our son, I said, You know, I had a great childhood growing up. I really did. But I personally don't want to be at weddings every weekend
2: right. with kids. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, we made the decision right then to, you know, pretty much stop doing weddings.
0: Wow. Then I would imagine that was a big financial hit, too, to the business if that was a main source of income. It,
1: it was. Actually, at that time, weddings were about 45% of our business.
2: Wow.
1: So, um, but, you know, it was just, you know, spending time with family. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I still work on Saturdays right. doing portraits, but it's not every Saturday and it's not all Saturday. All day. right. So, you know, that that was kind of nice. And but, um, you know, personally, gosh, like I say, personal, personal and business, it just kind of intermingles. We just I just like to go out and have fun. And matter of fact, back when Becky and I were dating, she laughed. She thought it was the funniest thing. We would go out of town. We'd go down to Charleston. We would go to Tennessee. We would go to Atlanta. And I would run into clients. Oh no! <laughs> and she said, "Is there anywhere we can go where you don't know someone?" And uh, you know, I, I think we we ended up going to the Bahamas. I didn't see anyone there. I knew so
0: so out of the country is safe. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. <laughs> international traveler to get away from everyone. So it sounds like along the way you kind of made some lifestyle business choices yeah. that. Um, have definitely impacted that. Now, um, was your wife working in the business? Is that something that has always happened, or is, is that something you guys decided together? Because that, let's face it, that can be a stressful thing on husbands and wives to work together. Yes. So.
1: You know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because um, Becky, at the time, she was a bookkeeper at Bilo, a local grocery store.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And she. Um, you know, at the time we didn't needed some help putting wedding albums together,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I told Dad, I'm like, well, you know, Becky could use some extra money. She can, you know, eight to ten hours a week here at the studio. He said, well, okay. He said, but get her to come in. He said, I wanna, I wanna talk to her before we hire her. And at the time, Becky and I had been dating maybe eight nine months.
0: Okay, so it was not even marriage no, at this point yet. No. Okay,
1: very early on in the process.
0: <laughs> and dad could have ended all that for you. Well, well
1: <laughs> here, here's the interesting thing. Um, she come in, and I wasn't allowed in the room when they were talking. Ah, And he basically told her, he said, okay, you are coming in as an employee. He said, now, if this... At some point, you and Alex starts having problems. You know, you guys can't work together or whatever it may be. This is a family business. You will be the first to go. Wow. And, you know, he said, are, are you good with that? And she said, yeah, you know, sure, I completely understand. And, well, here it is uh, almost 14 years later. Wow. <laughs>
0: And she's still there. She, she's you call and there. she answers the phone. So, <laughs> And i tell you
1: what. She is, at, and I can say this because she's not here in the room, she is the backbone of the studio. Oh,
2: that's She fantastic. is
1: the face of our customer service, and she is the, everyone calls and they love her. They want to speak with Becky. And
2: it's <laughs> just,
1: it. It really makes me feel good because... Um, you know, she's my wife and I mean, she's just, you know, part of the Steo family.
0: Right. So it's
1: it's really been cool.
0: Well, that's, that's good that that's worked out. And I think, I guess now at some point in time, is your dad at the point of retiring or is he kind of, um, still doing a little bit or well, what's going on with yeah, that? He
1: still does a little bit. Um, not too much, uh, you know, but he does come in as a matter of fact we make a we make a joke out of it because he will come in and on Tuesdays and this is another thing, even though we're a small business, um, we still have uh meetings on Tuesday mornings.
0: Oh, okay, like staff yes, meetings. We okay. A staff
1: meeting and even though it's just, you know, Becky, myself and my dad, and we do have a part time girl, but she's not there on Tuesday. Um, okay. But, you know, the three of us, we still get together and have our meeting. So he'll come in for the meeting on Tuesday. And after the meeting, he'll make a cup of coffee, check his personal email, and look at the watch. <laughs> and, well, well I'm, I'm I'm heading out for the day.
0: <laughs> at least he shows up for the important right. things. It, so that's, you know.
1: It, it, so so we, we joke, you know, we, we keep the – the Keurig pods, we we keep them available yes. because for Dad.
0: Yes, absolutely. He doesn't have time to wait for a whole pod That's to brew right. and right. stay around and and do that. Now, so it sounds like growing up in the the business and with being right there in your family, that it was sort of always understood that you would come into this. I mean, had you, did you ever think about not doing it as a, a career or not taking over the business? Yes, I did. Did you okay? Did. Tell
1: us about that. Um, you know, I, because when I was in high school, I would work. You know, I would work weekends doing weddings, but mm-hmm. I would work through the week after high school um, at a grocery store. And I'm like, well, you know, this isn't so bad. This this wouldn't be that bad of a career. And one day, it was my senior year in high school. The manager said, "Come on to our office. I want to talk to you." He said, How had you ever thought about going into our management program? I'm like, Well, how much money would I start out making a year? <laughs> and he told me, I'm like, y- Yeah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. So, uh,
0: say no more. <laughs> so,
1: no, I, um, but then I've always, one thing I love to do. And one thing Becky and I love to do together, matter of fact, I have to tell you this, we're so excited because next Saturday um, I'm working all day and I found out that the grand, uh, Becky's mom is keeping the kids. And so we have a date night and I'm like, OK, well, so what do you want to do? We don't have the kids. She said, I want to stay home and cook.
0: Oh, wow. So, so
1: <laughs> but, you know, in if anyone knows me or has known me for a period of time, that's something I love doing is cooking, mm-hmm. and I, I just love being in the kitchen.
0: So mm-hmm. at one time,
1: actually, it had crossed my mind in high school to be a chef.
0: Okay. So there were other interests yes. that kind of fueled some, some business ideas and that sort of thing. Um Let me ask you this, because I know there's probably a certain amount of pressure, and it sounds like your dad was pretty clear on his expectations with Becky, you know, and and that's, you know, that is one thing that a lot of business owners, even when they get into, um, you know, co-founder relationships or relationships with their families, they'll say, in hindsight, we should have laid out expectations more clearly. You know, we should have had an exit plan, and your dad just kind of did that all in one, you know, fatherly conversation with Becky, but... Did you feel um, a certain amount of pressure or even fear in taking over a family-type business? You know, like you could be the one to make it great or you could be the one to screw it up. Yes. You know, did did that come into play? And Tell tell me a little bit about what you've done with that and, and how you've handled that.
1: Well, it's an ongoing process because I have that feeling every single day knowing that, hey, I'm – Taking something that my dad started forty years ago and he started from absolutely nothing. Wow. Matter of fact, he left his his regular job. He come in and told my mom, Hey, they gave me a six month leave of absence and if this don't work I can always go back and so she was like, Well that's great and he he wasn't being completely honest with her. He
0: quit. <laughs> he wanted her to feel better about yeah. the whole process. <laughs> so
1: yes, I mean it's uh it it has been kinda of fearful, um, knowing I'm taking over a family business and you know, it's um so yeah, it's it's been a little stressful sometimes.
0: Well- I would imagine that there's you know there's the legacy side of that wanting to carry on you know the quality and the the legacy of what your dad established with the business but then as you as your family grows and other people are employed by the business then there's also this burden of a greater financial responsibility. Yes. And so and I think that is you know that is one thing that so many small business owners I think struggle with you know when when do we know we're okay enough to hire somebody else? And when can I quit doing every single thing? When can I quit being the accountant or being the bad accountant? Or when can I quit trying to be HR or whatever? I suck at it. You know, it just, it's a difficult thing. So um, have you had any type of business coach or mentor or anything that's kind of helped you through this process?
1: Yes, I have. Um, Matter of fact, one of those people that, um, you know, that I went to, Uh, When I was in college, Uh, she was just very instrumental. Um, Her name is Ann Monteith. Oh, okay. And at that time, she was a, you know, and she still is, um, but she coached and helped photography businesses become profitable. She helped them kind of understand marketing. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so I went and took a class from her. And really, ever since then, I've kind of been... Like the groupie and follow her around and see what she's doing, because she she just really keeps up with what everyone else is doing, but then she kind of she kind of I guess sifts through the good stuff and not so not so good and she delivers it directly mm-hmm. in ways that people can understand. So that's that's she has been one of my biggest mentors as far as learning the business side of it.
0: So, Alex, tell me now, I know whenever you deal, um, you know, I know as a member of the business local community here, you have to compete many times against some of the big box stores that might offer photography specials. You know, I know I can remember as a child, you know, we would go to Olin Mills maybe once every few years, but in those in-between years, we'd go to Sears and we'd get our picture taken and um, do those kind of photos. And I think... um, There's a different, maybe there's a different marketing take you have to do to get people away from, you know, those big box stores and and get people away from the um, kind of the mass produced uh, children's photos and and those kind of things. So what have you done in your business to try to maybe target a different audience or, or are you targeting the same audience and how do you do that? Because I think you can't just compete on price a lot of times, you know.
1: Sure, yeah, and you know you're absolutely right. We can't compete on price, um because when you compete on price alone it's it's just one of those battles you will never win.
0: Um, it is a slippery slope. so
1: we we choose not to compete on price at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really interesting for us because what we do we want to show our clients that we care. Mm -hmm. um we don't want our you know our clients when they come in they don't have to wait um we we more we're more of a boutique type business so when they come in you know they're not having to sit and wait on us Mm
2: -hmm. we
1: may sit and as long as their time allows it we always mark off plenty of time on our calendar but as long as their time allows it we sit and talk about them Mm-hmm. We find out their likes and dislikes and what they're looking for.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas when you go into a store, you know, a big box store, they're just a number. Right. They're just another sale. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool because, you know, not with our clients, we, we don't really call them clients. We, you may see on Facebook sometimes that we put on there that there are um, – that – Our family, uh, you know, they're part of our family.
0: Right, right. Because
1: it's really neat to be able to go out someplace, out to to a restaurant, and you see their family, and you Mm -hmm. sit and talk, and it's not, hey, you know, how's business? It's we're talking about family. So we're able to make that personal connection.
0: Well, and, you know, I think it's important, too, even talking about the the price thing. I think that that is the most obvious thing, you know, that people many times look at as a competitive thing. But when you have a value proposition, like we care and we're personally involved with your family, if you lower your prices, you've devalued, you know, the whole differentiation between you and the big box stores. And I think, you know, so many times it's just... It's a natural thing to want to go there, but sometimes whenever, you know, the perceived value of coming in and sitting in a homey type environment of your studio and talking to you guys and then going and doing a photo shoot that can be more reflective of the personalities you've seen just exhibited – you know, and and not just that, but it's in a private setting. You don't have uh, shoppers going around you and standing in line watching everyone else take pictures, and it it just is a whole different experience, and I think, you know, price shouldn't even be a consideration because of the value with that, and I think so many local business owners need to just get over the fact that they're not going to be able to compete on price, so don't try. Compete on value, and what is the value you can provide beyond price, so I love that you're doing that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, we talked a little bit about your personal uh, business coach and mentor um, with Ann Monteith, but um, on the personal development side of what you do for your business, what are other resources that you find helpful and other um, ways that you kind of take time to develop yourself?
1: Um, well, you know, it's it, one of the best TV shows, in my opinion, that has came out on TV is Downton Abbey.
0: Oh, okay. Because Mm -hmm.
1: my wife, she loves that show. Uh Uh-huh. Sorry to all the Downton Abbey fans out there. (laughs) I can't stand it. So it just gives me a great chance to pick up a book and start reading.
0: So you have your alone time whenever you have uh, that that coming on every week. Absolutely. What what, what type of books do you read? What type of uh, people are you listening to right now? Oh, wow. Um, Matter of fact...
1: It's. Uh, I was just listening on the way in, um, right before we started talking. Uh, Jay Bear, uh, U- ah. utility.
0: Okay, excellent.
1: Um, is one of my is something I'm listening to now. One of my all time favorite authors is Gary Vaynerchuk. Love him. I, it's just, you know, I love his style in because he don't beating around the bush. He gets to the point, and, you know, he don't care if he offends you. Right. I mean, he just gets to the point about business uh, Mm -hmm. and the whole business of social media. Um, Mm -hmm. Another one of my favorites is Seth Godin. I just...
0: Oh, love him, too. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, I just love his... Everything's different with Seth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it started out... The first book I read of his was The Purple Cow,
0: Yes, okay. And gotcha.
1: I've just been hooked on Seth Godin ever since then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just so many authors. Another one, uh, one of my favorites is now not only do I read his books, um, I do subscribe to some of his things, so I get daily emails from him.
0: Okay. Is, uh
1: Chris Bergen.
0: Okay, okay. I, I like all of those people, and I think, you know, to be able to take someone else's perspective and kind of have that infused in your business whenever whenever you're in charge of your business and you might not have a lot of other, you know, great minds around you. Not that, the, you know, you just don't have a lot of other people around you. Not that the people you have aren't great minds, but, you know, to be able to have that uh, different perspective is valuable. And I think, you know, Seth Godin is is just... He is so simple in what he says, but when you hear it from his perspective, it's like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And then at the same time, Gary Vaynerchuk, you're right. He is completely, you know, he will come right out and say, oh my God, you're doing this all wrong. Or you're doing, you know, what you're doing is not the worst thing ever, but you could be doing this and you could be doing that. And you could, you know, and suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, the whole, my mind's just blown in just a matter of, um, you know, a few minutes listening to his podcast or anything. And
1: you know, one thing about Gary. That he don't mind admitting when he's wrong.
0: Mm, you don't see that a lot. No. A lot of the gurus don't don't want to ever want that to get out. So
1: you know, I've seen him on several occasions. Okay, I was wrong about that. But here's what I learned from it. He always mm-hmm. says, "Yes, I'm wrong, but I walked away with a learning experience." Right. So I think that's awesome because you know yeah. we as business owners, we all. Are going to have those moments when we were wrong or we may have failed at something, but we walk away with a with a good learning experience.
0: Right. And even to take those and not perceive those as failures, you know, and, and beat ourselves up about it and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I blew it like that. But to just say, hey, you know what? I learned a valuable lesson from that mistake. You know, some people have that no failure thing and and that's all great, but some of us that are perfectionists like to really beat ourselves up over those little ones, so, so. now um I, we don't like to do a lot of focusing on the negative or anything like that, but um I think any small business has had some struggles along the way, but have you had any failures um As you kind of have taken over the family business that maybe other business owners could learn from and other things that um, maybe you could share with us that weren't necessarily your brightest shining moments, but what could we have learned from them?
1: Well, you know, one thing that comes to mind right now, uh, this was probably, gosh, I guess seven, eight years ago. Uh Uh, Uh-huh. And to me, this was a big it just really stands out in my mind. We wanted to have like a portrait showing where uh, an exhibit uh
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so we rented a uh, we rented a place that has wedding receptions and that sort of thing Um right. and it's just a big, beautiful old house it was just beautiful gardens and so we rented the house and we had just like a you know little reception and We sent out, you know, calligraphy invitations. We put a lot of time and money into it because all the prints that we had, we sent out all these invitations. I think we sent out maybe 60 or 70 invitations. And we had a whole whopping 12 people show up.
2: Oh wow.
1: And it was just it was horrifying because you have all these people come or you, you know you you're expecting all these people.
0: Right, but, hoping, yeah.
1: And you know hoping they may bring their friends or mm-hmm. you know, you know we have 12 people show up. Wow. And I was just like how embarrassing
0: that it is. I mean, that makes me feel bad for you right now just, you know, just hearing the story.
1: But, here's the here's the thing I learned from it. You know what? I paid no attention to the date. Um, uh-huh. I'm like, "Oh, you know, it's springtime and I chose the Saturday before Easter."
0: Oh, okay.
1: Which was just totally bad timing because we didn't realize you know people would be out of town and yeah so but you know that that's one thing i I guess is the kind of a negative but Mm -hmm. at the same time we learned our lesson to when we're planning something look at all aspects of it
0: yeah it you know it's funny but it without looking at that you probably would have inferred something completely different from that whole scenario and people aren't interested in what we're doing. People don't care about what, you know, what we're trying to do here and it could have turned in a completely different direction. But then you look at the calendar and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so obvious now. It's, oh it, man.
1: I, and, but you know, here's the cool thing about that. We ended up getting, well, we actually, here. I here's, I guess, the bright shining part of it. We did get business eventually from that because some people we invited, they had family, extended family in for uh, Easter, mm-hmm. and they actually brought along some neighbors. So, yes, we did.
0: So you did get – you got a gain out yes. of it eventually and got a, a longtime client. That You know, <clears throat> I think so many times, and even with, with things like that, that might be something that you – don't do very often, or it doesn't um, necessarily fit in your calendar every single year. But figuring out how many times to do it as a test or whatever to see if it's going to work or not. You know, a lot of times we really try one thing, and it didn't get quite the reaction we wanted, and we say, well, that was a failure. Mark that off the list and never do it again. So my question is, how many times since the seven or eight years have you done that again? Have you have you done any events like that again that you um, kind of stuck yourself out there for and did all that work for?
1: We have, but yet we've done it totally different.
0: Okay. Um, so you you didn't write off the live event exhibit thing completely. You just tweaked it and changed it, and it morphed into something different. Exactly.
1: Well, as matter of fact, let me tell you probably one of the more successful things it's morphed into Um I guess it's been three years ago now. Uh, the local, uh, not national, but the local cancer society, they came and they're like, you know, we're just having problems raising awareness
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. about what we do and how we're different than the national organization.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I got. T- I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we got four families that is affected, you know, by cancer Mm -hmm. and photograph the, the cancer patient. Wow. And she was like, yeah, that'll be great. And she said, but how will we display them? I said, well, let's do, You know, I said, what we'll do, we'll do 20 by 20 portraits, or excuse me, 24 by 24 portraits. We'll have them framed and matted, and we'll display them for, and you guys invite the families and Mm -hmm. other families, uh, you know, people in the community, uh, you know, invite them, and so they can take a look at it. And they thought that was a great idea. And here's the cool thing, you know, and, at that event, I think there was probably now here's the interesting thing there was i think right around sixty people
0: there. wow <clears throat> there's your sixty the, that didn't show up seventy exactly. years exactly
1: <laughs> so you know we that's one thing that we did, and the the families had no idea, but at the end of the event, the portraits was theirs.
0: Ah, what a nice gift.
1: You know, wow. to carry home and so that was that was so much fun uh, that, to be a part of that. That is a good
0: that is a good takeaway especially for cancer patients not knowing not knowing what your longevity will be and being able to capture your family at those at those times. That's a great thing. How I know you you have some business organizations that you're involved in locally and even like the, I don't know if you're a member of the Chamber of Commerce and that sort of thing. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of any of those type of associations and what that actually does for your business? Because I think many times new business owners, they either may not have the money to join you know, the big Chamber of Commerce or they might not know, which association or which group is going to give them the most bang for their buck, and so I just kind of want to know what your experience is being a long time business owner
1: you know what that's that's a great question, and at the same time, it may not be the answer you're looking for,
0: okay,
2: <laughs>
1: but for me personally um it just it pains me to go to networking meetings
0: those canned networking yes. events. I mean, okay. it's
1: just, it, it, it's painful. I, I, I don't know, just something about, it, I think is stepping out outside of that personal kind of fear factor thing.
0: Right. It's uncomfortable if you're not a natural extrovert. Very much. You know? And, and I, I think a lot of, even though entrepreneurs tend to be a lot of type A personalities, a lot of us might not be natural extroverts, and we do have, you know, that, that uncomfort, that feeling of just, oh, got to go to another one. So, so you guys don't do a lot of the official networking type.
1: Right. Things. But here's the, okay. here's the cool thing. Yes, we are a member of the chamber and okay. I do go to some chamber events.
2: hmm.
1: Um, and here's a great example. They had a holiday drop in at the Greenville chamber here. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, I said, okay, I'm going to force myself to go,
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I get there, and there are several hundred people there. Wow. I mean, you literally cannot move in this place, wow. and it was i at that if it wasn't pouring down rain i will I would have turned back around and got in the car. but I'm like, you know what, I've come too far now, and I don't want to get soaking wet all over again get back in the car. So I went in and you know I immediately started seeing people I know, people I do business with.
0: Oh, okay. And then you, you that that uncomfortable feeling kind of goes away the minute you see those people. Absolutely.
1: It? <laughs> and but you know, here's the cool thing. i leave there and thinking, okay, you know what? It wasn't that bad. Mhm. I eh, it wasn't that bad, so I, I get home and um make a long story short, that was in December, mm-hmm. and just the other day uh we got a we got a really nice job from it,
0: wow,
1: and it was from and it was I didn't meet them, I didn't talk with them, but the cool thing was I was there
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a company. That is doing the printing for this company, I talked with him, and so he said, "You know what? I got the guy that can take care of this for you Wow, so you know that was the cool thing
0: but and that's just validation, you know that you it can be worthwhile to step out of your comfort zone with things like that, Oh,
1: absolutely, but you know then here's the cool thing, um because I know you said you know people that may be strapped for cash." But to do something in networking, Um, again, I'm not a networker. A friend of mine, he said, you know what, there's a network meeting. I really think you should come to. And I'm like, oh, great, you know, here's another (laughs) monthly fee or here's another Mm -hmm. yearly dues. Mm -hmm. But he said, no, it's not like that. He said, this is a group of businesses. He said, we get together once a week. And we meet at a restaurant, and he said, you know, you don't have to buy breakfast, but you can. And everything is reasonably priced 8 to $10. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he says, just basically the price of breakfast you come in, he said, but here's the requirements. You come every week, uh, and mm-hmm. you refer other businesses in the group. You get to know them, and you refer them.
2: Okay. Th- it,
1: there's no cost, but those are the requirements, and they turned into like a little game. Well, if you if you want an absence, if you want a, you know, uh, a mm-hmm. free hall pass, <laughs> what you do, you invite someone new
0: to take your place.
1: To well, not take take our place, but just invite them to the group.
0: Oh, okay. So that way, the group grows. Absolutely.
1: And you know, and then the cool thing is, none of the businesses—they're all non-competing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's—it's just a really neat thing, and it may make me start kind of enjoying this networking stuff.
0: Well, you know what—that that just kind of gives some structure to a lot of stuff that we already do you know um it we naturally refer people to the other businesses that we you know know and and i think that comes up naturally in conversation but to formalize it and to be able to put some structure around it it gives that extra accountability you know that just makes you it makes you conscious of it every single week doesn't it whenever you know you're going into a meeting and there's people there that are, they're expecting to get some, you know, eventually get some customers that you've sent their way I'm, or get some mentions. And that, that's a great thing.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, now one thing I personally enjoy, and I know this may shock you. <laughs> I say that sarcastically.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> but
1: one thing that I love doing, and I do it a lot, especially this time of year. Uh-huh. Is I love calling people up. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Or, you know what, we, we've we never really formally met. We've seen each other on Facebook.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why don't we get together and enjoy a cup of coffee and learn about each other's business?
0: That's a great, great idea. Because
1: that way for the price of a cup of coffee right. and a twenty to 20-minute 20 to an hour conversation... It can turn into a really good friendship and business partnership with local businesses.
0: Absolutely, and a resource. And, you know, the thing is, I think, you know, even talking about these networking events and and things like that, I'm like you. I'm not a big – I'm not great in a crowd. Yeah. You know i 'm more of a one on one person If you put me one on one, I will pick your brain and I will ask you questions, and I will try to find out every interesting thing I can in a group. I feel like i'm lost, and that i get that whole thing gets lost so the great thing about that is there are networking opportunities that you can you can unofficially you know do on your own by doing the things like you 're talking about, just cultivating those relationships within the business community. And then, you know, you as a business owner don't always feel like you're isolated and out there on your own trying to figure everything out on your own because you now have all these resources that probably have had to deal with some of the same stuff you've had to deal with. And you can actually say, what did you do when this happened? And isn't that a great, you know, great way to be able to get someone else's input without having to, uh, Join a thousand or two thousand or three thousand dollar club and and do a lot of extra you know activities and all. So I think that's a great idea.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now let me ask you this: We talked about your um, failure of the with the event and things like that. And I think um, back in two thousand and eight, when the recession first started, I know there were several. Um, I kind of had a reawakening in my life whenever I started. Trying to go to some of the places that I had always gone to I went to I had a guitar that needed some work, and I went to my local guitar shop, and the doors were closed mm. and I thought, Oh my gosh, what happened to Trevor or what happened you know what happened to the business and I just got to the point that um, I started realizing how critical it was for local businesses um, to be concerned about them, and you know whenever I realized that businesses were going out under. It made me wonder what happened, you know, what, what how did it impact their family? You know, did they lose their home? Did they, um, more, you know, take out? did they cash out all their retirement and, and all that sort of thing? So I know these things come up, and, and could they have hung on any longer? And I started feeling so badly, and I kind of started making conscious decisions after that to choose local businesses. Mm-hmm. So I say all that to say this, has, or to ask you this, has there ever been a time whenever – you have had to come face to face with the reality that your business is struggling and it may not survive and what then and can you tell us a little bit about if that's ever happened
1: yes absolutely i mean matter of fact because really a lot of that was like say in question for us several years ago that um yeah it was just in question we just didn't know what was going to do and just having to deal with all the struggles and the decisions to make. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But, you know, at the same time we come out and it made us better business people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we, I, you know, I was determined, okay, this is all I've done all my life. Right. Sure. I can go to Starbucks and hopefully get a job as a barista.
0: Hey, you know all the drinks, I know.
1: <laughs> I was just, a, what stopped me from doing that, I was just afraid they wouldn't hire me because I would drink all the profit.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not probably not good to have on your resume that you're an avid coffee drinker when you're trying to apply at Starbucks. <laughs> <so>. <laughs>
1: but, um, you know, with that, with that being said, you know, this is all I've ever done. And thank God, You know, thank goodness. I just – I had some great mentors when it comes to the business side of photography, Mm -hmm. Um, and I made some – you know, I had to make some pretty tough business decisions to streamline certain things in the business. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But then I looked around at competitors, Mm -hmm. and, you know, some of these competitors, while they're as competitor, they were friends, and I just watched uh-huh. them go out of business.
2: And
0: it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Even when they're a competitor, yes. You know, because then you feel like there's, you know, there's part of your community going away. Yeah, and probably never to return. And
1: you know, so I mean, I, I think it's just about sometimes, and you even have to go outside your industry to seek business advice, right? Because sometimes your industry you know, I know the industry of photography, um, it's still kind of in turmoil right now. Uh Uh And so we have chose to kind of go outside the industry to look at business things and business advice. And that's, I I think it's always crucial to seek advice and, you know, just don't give up that easy. Uh, Uh At the same time, you look at, you know, you look at your account and there's no money in it. Right. And you're like, okay, what can I do? And so you just, you know, we, we started getting really creative
2: mm-hmm.
1: and things and that we wanted to do. And we started to expand on, you know, different things we could do. And I think that that helped hugely for us.
0: Yeah, it's hard when you're in that desperation mode to think about expanding sometimes because, it, you know, it's like you see it as a cost or you see it as something that you could do right now, but it might not necessarily put money in your bank account today or next week. And so it's sometimes hard to get those long-term goggles on and, and, you know, for growth and that kind of thing. So um, now as far as your marketing efforts right now, I know you have – I know you're very active on social media Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, but I would imagine that a significant part of your marketing and efforts for continuing your revenues is customer retention and getting repeat customers. And so can you share a little bit about what specific strategies you guys are working on right now that are working for you and that seem to be helping with customer retention and getting that repeat business?
1: Yes. Uh, with customer, you know, again, we're big believers in just making people, you know, we want them to feel like they're part of the family. So when they pick up their portrait, we'll send them a handwritten note. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been cases where if someone they just – you know, it's tough for them to get over here and pick up mm-hmm. their portrait. We'll deliver it to them. Right. And so we try to set ourselves apart by doing these little things and to, you know, retain that customer base because we want to give them something that they can't get anywhere else. hmm And uh, so we just – we stay in touch with our clients. um on a monthly basis, we send out a monthly, uh, e-newsletter mm-hmm. and we do something that a lot of businesses, they don't, they don't do anymore. Twice a year, we send out a printed newsletter.
0: Oh, okay. Actually like mail, direct mail. Please.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. Absolutely.
1: And then we even send market, you know, targeted campaigns, mm-hmm. um, we we may say okay we have fifty clients and we want to send them a piece. Uh, I'll give you a great example. Uh, in February we have a special coming up and it's called Show Me Love,
2: mm, where
1: okay. part of the money goes to the Meyer Center for Special Needs Children, and so they come in for a session,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and but how we're reaching them these we kind of figured our target is parents that has small children or mm-hmm. couples that maybe they've been married or together for a couple of years and they really hadn't had their picture taken together since their wedding. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, get them to come in for a session. And so we've kind of that's our target for that and we will go through our database and say, okay, this they fit the criteria and you know what it's been a while since they've been in so we'll design a card and actually send them that card just to okay. just to remind them hey this would be a great session for you guys
2: mm-hmm.
1: so uh yeah it's just really for us is staying in touch with our customers
0: constant contact. Now, whenever you do all your direct mail and any of your campaigns and that sort of thing, is that something that you guys are doing internally or do you use a marketing company for that or you handle all that yourself?
1: We actually handle that ourselves. Um, okay. Because now we, I mean, used to eight, nine years ago when direct mail was the thing, we did, right. we did use a marketing company for that and it worked. It worked really well. But now that we really target
2: Mm-hmm. Our
1: client base, mm-hmm. we'd rather do it ourselves because I mean we actually you know put that stamp on there and right you know in most cases, we hand address the envelopes
2: mhm
1: and wow, so yeah, we just we just kind of like that personal touch,
0: well, and you know social media coming along has given you a way. to to keep that constant contact and to constantly be in front of your clients, you know, and I know it's it's very different than getting that one piece of direct mail every six weeks or every couple of months um, that we used to do several years ago. Can you tell me a little bit about how you use social media for your company?
1: Yeah, you know, social media, again, uh, we use social media to just kind of stay in touch with our clients and put interesting stories out there. I will mm-hmm. give you a great example. The last week we had a we had a client. She brought in an old ad that my dad ran um, over twenty years ago. Wow! And this was her granddaughter, and she kept this ad. And she said, "Yeah, we was cleaning out and moving. Look what I found." Wow! And so I photographed that. Just you know, I took my iPhone, photographed that. We put it on Facebook and kind of told that story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we try to base a lot, and not all, but we try to base a lot of our social media posts around stories, mm-hmm. or you know, kind of like "Did you know" type mm-hmm. things. And it's amazing. We I I love asking questions on Facebook.
0: Yeah, you're really good at that. I will say, you get a lot of interaction that way. And
1: you, know, and yes, I do it for the interaction but at the same time it's just neat to see these people's answers and
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. people yeah people have different answers and sometimes you're like oh wow that's so random I would have never thought about that but you do get if people are willing to share it is great I love hearing their opinions and that sort of thing Um, as far as your social media are you mainly using like Facebook and Twitter or are there other ones that you do much on Instagram being a photography I didn't know if that was more of a Something you would go for, or
1: you know, interesting. Um, we do use probably the main two that we use is Instagram and um, Instagram and Facebook. Okay, uh, Twitter, not so much. A lot of our clients is not on Twitter, or if they are, they're just not really. Most of our clients are on Facebook and Instagram, but Instagram is the interesting thing. A lot of people, oh, you're a photographer. You must put sessions on there. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't. We actually, Mm -hmm. yes, we're under Instagram as Phil Hyman Photo, Mm -hmm. but we put more behind the scenes type things. Okay. Or we'll even put stuff on there of our dog or our kids and It's more behind the scenes of who we are behind the business.
0: I see. And, you know, your customers love to to hear that kind of stuff, and they love to keep up with what's going on. I know with me, anytime I'm introduced to a new, whether it's a new business or a new website or something, just the type of person I am, one of the first links I look for on their website is the About Us or the About Me page. I want to know, I don't know why, I want to know who I'm dealing with, and I want to read about what... What their story is or what brought them, you know, to this point in their business or how this business got started. And I find that if that resonates with me, for some reason, I'm more partial to that business than the one that just doesn't have any personal face on it and doesn't have any story to tell. And I think you're right. That contact and the storytelling is part of the connection that you can make as a local business that corporate company, you know, big corporations can't necessarily do. Sure. Uh, so why not leverage what you got, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, not only that, but with Instagram and Facebook for us, what we do, it's very visual. It's very emotional.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, and I think in today's time for a small business to be set apart from those big box stores or mm-hmm. even from your local competitors, um, you There has to be a level of transparency. Um, right. You have to show people that, yes, this is who we are and we're just – we're who we are.
0: Absolutely, and um, I was going to say too, I think with the um, – using the social media, the fact that you're using it in a way that's not just about – We're having a sale. Come get your picture taken. Come schedule a setting. You know, it's not just about a sales blast. It's, I mean, I I rarely see that on your social media. And so um, I think that's refreshing to people because most big corporations, the only thing you hear many times is the sales pitch. And so I I think that's a great um, differentiator for the small business as well.
1: Well, you know, and... I have to I feel like I have to tell you this story real quick,
0: sure um, absolutely,
1: because just as a great example, someone that I went to elementary school with um we went to elementary and middle school together, but we went to different high schools, and so we just kind of lost touch mm-hmm. um, you know, and he connected with me on Facebook and so we kind of hey, you know typical when you first connect with someone. Hey, right. how's everything going? What's what's going on in your life? And so we did that, a couple of months went by, and he sent me a message. He said, "I'm I'm sitting down here at the beach and he said, I need to talk with you. Could you give me a call?" Like, okay. So, you know, I gave him a call and he said, "We need to have our family and our daughter photographed. And so we actually talked on the phone probably 45 minutes to an hour Mm
2: -hmm. and just
1: talking about the different, you know, different what they're looking for. And he said, well, he said, when I get back in town, he said, my wife will give you a call and we'll get something on the books. And the cool thing is we have done four sessions for them since then. Oh, wow. And. My wife and his wife, they work out together and he and I will connect every once in a while and you know, just kinda of hang out. So
0: Wow. It it does I was gonna say it it does allow for the accessibility, especially, you know, it is neat reconnecting and I know on Facebook whenever you can run back into those people that you haven't seen and suddenly incorporate your life in with theirs, but even without it being a real time suck, you know, to to be able to to drag you in, but just those little small touches along the way, you know, when you see things, you like them, and when they put stuff up, you like theirs, and there's still that give and take going back and forth, still a relationship going on, so that's good. And,
1: you know, I I firmly believe that if we had not connected on Facebook, he wouldn't have, he he wouldn't be a client today.
0: Oh absolutely, absolutely and he, and you know what it might not have dawned on him to be anybody's client for that. you know that might not have been the step he ever took for his family exactly you know, so that's that's another good thing about that. now, um Alex, as you look at your business today and um, uh, try to you know gauge where you're going and what you're doing, what type of performance indicators or business metrics. Are you guys keeping up with them? What's important? What are those critical numbers that you're looking at every day or every week or waking up in the middle of the night sweating about? And mm-hmm. <laughs> What what are you keeping track of?
1: One thing that we keep track of is the phone calls.
0: Okay. Uh, we actually
1: have a log sheet that we log the phone calls,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we want to know where they came from. We want to know where that call came from. We wanna, That tells us what marketing is working and if we're getting referrals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll give you a great example. Um, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, we had probably 80 to 90 percent of our business was referrals. Wow. I mean, it was huge in referrals. Well, you know, with the economy doing what it did, our referrals went way down to almost nothing. Wow. But here's a cool indicator. We're starting to see these referrals come back.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And so it's funny because I never would, and this is totally unscientific. I'm not an economist. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness.
0: Right. Uh, (laughs) We're all better for it, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'm starting to see these referrals come back. So I'm gauging... That as indicators of what's happening in the economy, and well, it's positive.
0: I mean, for you, absolutely, for you. I mean that that's what you see when disposable income for families drop. You see your, you know your schedule clear out, mm-hmm. and then whenever you st- see people start having it, you know at the same time, um, you probably have noticed some normal cycles in your business where whether it's every. You know, some people get pictures taken every year. Some people get every three years. Sometimes, oh, my daughter got married, so now we have a new son-in-law. We need to get him in the picture. You know, there's different things. So, I mean, I'm sure some of that, you know, plays into that and you know what your cycles are. But you're right. Seeing business pick up with those referrals, that means there is disposable income and that people are actually able to go out and maybe spend on some things that aren't just the bare necessities you know so that's definitely a good thing and at this point is your biggest um generator of business still the referrals the word of mouth referrals word of
1: mouth word of mouth referrals um and now one thing that has been widely widely <sighs> Unpopular among professional photographers, uh-huh, but it has been successful for us um back when you know the direct mail wasn't working, and you know the referrals kind of quit working um or the referrals you know stopped coming in rather right. one thing that we did, and I mean actually had some mentors that I really looked up to they were like, "You're crazy." You're going to get taken to the cleaners and, you know, all this really negative stuff. But we started using things like Groupon. Okay. Living social. Okay. We started using those as avenues to get business in the door. Okay. And you know what? The way we worked it, it worked really well for us.
0: That is, you know, I think that is good to hear because I think so many people that, you know, the Groupon had its bubble, sure. you know, and, and that kind of thing. And I think from many business owners' perspective, they did not have their expectations met yeah. whenever they, you know, did a campaign. So just so maybe you can share anything that would help others, because there, there probably are some people that are, Um, still considering those as as viable ways to get, you know, increase their market base and and get more people in the door. Were there specific strategies you used with the way either you worded your offer or with how you came up with that that led? I mean, let me just give you the pervading talk out there is that, Oh, these customers that take the group on, they'll come in for the, you know, they're one time, they'll never come back, they want the cheapest thing, they're the highest, uh, maintenance customers you'll ever have, and you'll lose money on them on the front end. And that's kind of the pervading, you know, chatter out there on the Internet about that. So what is, is your experience or what do you think caused you to be successful with that? Because I think that might be valuable for other people to know to say, you know what, it might be worthwhile for me to take a calculated risk mm-hmm. by doing that and see if I can get a return on that investment.
1: Yeah. Now, one thing I think we're we are a little bit different than other businesses because we're more service oriented.
2: Right, um, right,
1: and the product is on the back end,
2: uh-huh,
1: but what we did, yes, in the wording um Becky, my wife, she was very particular about the wording
2: mm-hmm. um
1: so she so you know she she was very careful, and we did things instead of and one thing about groupon uh and living social and any of these services like this, they. When their rep is on the phone with you,
2: mm-hmm. they
1: are going to try and twist your arm and get you to. They want to be able to get the most sales, right? So they want to twist it where it's good for them, mm-hmm. but just don't let them.
0: So essentially, they want you to give away the farm exactly. in order to get. Okay, so so you got to hold your hold your line on what you're willing to offer and what you're willing to give. Yes,
1: and. With us, what we did, we got the people in for a consultation before their session. We want to find out exactly what they're looking for. What are they expecting? Are they wanting a wall portrait? Are they wanting to use just their Groupon? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And in most cases, we found they're like, well, I really, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I need a photograph, but I don't know what I want to do. So that's where we were able to walk through with them and help them mm-hmm. in making that choice. So that's why I feel like it was successful for us. Mm-hmm. We just did not allow them to come in, book a session, and we're done. Right. You know, we, right. we just you, wanted you
0: force your process on them.
1: Sure. And
0: you know what, uh, I, pretty much all
1: the people, they were they enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Because they come into it, not really knowing what they wanted, and we helped them along the sales process
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they it helped them, and you know it was good for us on the bottom line
0: well, and the great thing about that is that when you go ahead and add that i mean here you have a perceived low value customer walking in the door, you know, and then you take that and you go ahead and put them into your your value proposition of, you know, doing the consultation and doing all this um, finding out and discovery of what they're going to be using this for, you know, on the back end, if you do that and you maintain your quality throughout, most people understand that there is a cost associated with that. And if the process was above their expectations, they don't mind paying a reasonable amount for it, you know? And so I think that's, that's an interesting take on that.
1: Well, and you know, Matter of fact, here here's an interesting take. Um, we bought a groupon for a local business that mm-hmm. sold olive oil and vinegar. Okay. And I enjoy cooking, but I'm like, seriously, olive oil and balsamic vinegar? Okay. <laughs> <I> have, <laughs> How
0: many bottles do you need? Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like,
1: I have a twenty dollar coupon. Okay. So Becky and I we went in with in mind we had this twenty dollar coupon to use and they walked us through the process of the different olive oils, the different uh-huh. balsamic vinegars, and what you can do with them. They walked us through that sales process. It wasn't, it, okay, pick what you want. Right. Um, you
0: got $20 to spend. Yes. Here's your choices.
1: And I'm here to tell you, we walked in the door with that $28 certificate. We left... With $150 of olive oil and vinegar.
0: <laughs> I think that was... <laughs> that. Was, they got you on that one. No, I'm not... I, I, the the point of that is yeah. by going ahead and providing the education and the value, mm-hmm. if you continue to do that, you will get the return on it. And I, I would imagine, have you been a repeat customer from that point in time or you haven't run out yet? Uh, yeah, you know...
1: Interestingly enough, yes, we did run out.
0: (laughs) But, but
1: yeah, we we have been a repeat customer ever since then.
0: Yeah, because when you appreciate, you know, not just as someone who, you know, appreciates olive oil and balsamic vinegar, but to see a local business person making their living off their passion. Mm -hmm. And when you come in touch with them, that passion, I mean, they can't stop that passion just because you're a perceived low-value customer. You know they're going to give you the education because it's in them, and it's their passion, and I think that is so great, and I think that's what you guys did with that that whole Groupon thing is you took it and you said, "Here's a low value customer. let's give them a whole new experience they're not looking for because this is how we roll exactly. and you're not going to devalue it by coming in with Groupon, but let me give you the value anyway, even if I make less money off this one transaction, I know that the next time you're looking for a value, you'll come back, you know so
1: And, and, you know, we have seen that. We've seen people that come in on the Groupon or Living Social. We've seen them come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have become repeat customers. Wow. So that that lets me know there is value to that. You just have to know the – you just have to be willing to walk your clients through and educate and help them.
0: Well, and if we can kind of go back and kind of encapsulate a couple of tips for the um, the business owner that might be looking for, group, you know, for doing a Groupon or Living Social, let's go ahead and give them a couple of tips right here. And the first thing you had mentioned was um, when the sales process is going on with one of those services, hold your line because there's there are probably several different tiers of either structures that they could fit you into whether, you know, for their cut of it versus your cut of it. At the same time, you need as a business owner to know your numbers well enough to know where your bottom line is Mm -hmm. with some of these things. And so once you do that and then once you get a customer coming in, then go ahead and continue to provide the value so that you don't, automatically stereotype them and color them as a one-and-done customer just because they came in on a Groupon. Sure. Okay, good. So that's good to share because I think so many of these things get, you know, they get a bad rap because people went in either not knowing really how the whole thing worked. um, You know, at the same time, I'm sure... Keeping track of your data as you go along with these customers and tracking it mm-hmm. and knowing that okay, we had this many customers come in, and the lifetime value of those customers have have been this much and here's our average value and and looking at those numbers and not just saying, "Okay, I did a group on we should see you know we should see a rise in sales this week right because those two things are not necessarily correlative um, when you're dealing with a you know, one and done Groupon customer. So and,
1: and and have realistic expectations. Okay, that's that's huge because if we sold a hundred Groupons, we know we're not going to get a hundred people walking through the door. We know only probably maybe half.
0: Okay, are
1: forty percent will redeem.
0: Okay, interesting to know. I, I wasn't sure what the redemption value on those yeah. were.
1: And, you know, now here's the cool thing. One thing that we do, I'm not saying it It may not fit every business, but I know mm-hmm. for us, we've had people call, you know, I bought this Groupon, I let it expire, um, you know, what, what can we do? Or it expires tomorrow, um, ah. you know, this last-minute type thing. And bottom line for that, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of look at, and this is maybe a completely warped view of looking at this, but I'm glad we're talking about this because I think it's very relevant for other people that are in business. Kind of look at the Groupon and Living Social as sort of like, almost like the matchmaking website of, you know, it's like the equivalent of a personalmatch.com, you know, and you can put whatever you want out there But let's face it, the determining factor is going to be that face-to-face meeting, Mm -hmm. you know. And if it looks as good, you know, on the face-to-face meeting or it comes out as good on the face-to-face meeting as it did, it looked online, then you're probably going to get a second date, you know. If it was, if, you know, so just because that matchmaking, you know, thing expired or whatever, it's what you do with that and what you do with these customers that are essentially handed to you walking through your door that will determine what the value is of them. So I think, you know, you as the individual business owner have more to do with the success or failure of a Groupon campaign than many people realize. Would you agree with
1: that? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, not only Groupon, but anything, you have to be the one in control. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I think has happened to a lot of businesses, they feel... Very much beat up when it comes to these Groupon's and living socials because one time, yeah, you know, at one point, they're beat up by Groupon, right? And so Groupon's happy because they're they're getting a good bit of money, mm-hmm. but then the customer comes in; it's such a great deal because Groupon has caused the business to give away the store.
0: Absolutely, the customer
1: comes in. And the store owner feels beat up again. Yeah, and absolutely. And so just remain in control on both ends, customer end and Groupon end, and I think you would have a much different experience.
0: Well, and just knowing or getting rid of the stereotypes, too, I mm-hmm. think, over the customer. Just because someone comes in on a Groupon doesn't necessarily mean they're a cheapskate. Yeah. It might mean they're very good at managing their money, so they have more money you know, more disposable money sure. than everyone else. So, um, you know, there are some indicators that sometimes we don't don't see right on the surface of those. So thank you for chasing that rabbit trail with us because I think that's really valuable information. So um, now, as, as we always hear, hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 So we're going to take a look back and see. Um, over the years, as you've taken over the family business and then tried to grow it and sort of make it um, more current, make, you know, add services to it and... Um, even make it more your business, you know, and, and passing on the legacy from your father. What is the main lesson that you think you've learned through the process?
1: Wow, that that's a really good question. Um, the main lesson that I think I've learned that at the end of the day, this is a family-owned and operated business,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you better find a way to separate family and business. Mhm. Um cuz otherwise if you work with your spouse you will sometimes go home and not speak and that's yeah. that's just not good. Um so yeah, I mean business is business and you know family is something else and it's it's hard to separate the two uh but then I just taking care of your client.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um That's been one thing that we've so enjoyed is just making the clients, you know, part of our family.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, you know, that is something that you will never, ever get from a big box or national chain. It, It will not happen. I mean, it's not even that they don't want to, but with turnover and with, you know, changes in management at local, you know, individual stores or, or whatever the, the business is, you know, you don't even have a chance of seeing the same people long enough many times to build that relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that is, people say, you know, this, we're in this social media world and we're in this constant contact where everybody you know, can get in touch with people 24 hours a day. But at the end of the day, We as humans long for that connection Mm -hmm. and to be connected in some way to not just our, our own families, but then if we can take that and translate it into other ways to be connected with the way we spend our money and support other people through that, it just changes everything. So I think that... That connection is something that so many local businesses need to leverage, and even if you're, you know, a natural introvert, which I am, and it sounds to me like you are, we're, we're better one-on-one people than we are in a big group, and we're not going to always be the life of the party because we we'll, might be a little bit awkward with that, but to be able to make that connection or push yourself out of the comfort zone, I mean, really, you're the, you're the brand, you know, your face, and and you and Becky are the face and the brand of Phil Hyman Photography, and to be able to take that and make a living out of it is is a, a wonderful thing, you know, and people appreciate that, and I know as a consumer, I appreciate being able to walk into any business and know who the owner is, and have them talk to me, and you know, not just that, but maybe they know what I'm looking for, and they say, "Hey, you know, I saw something the other day that reminded me I needed to. I couldn't wait to show it to you when you came in here, or whatever it is." But that connection is what keeps you going to the local places rather than the big box stores.
2: Absolutely, you know, because
0: that that's just a frustration in itself to have to deal with that. So, excellent. So it's the people, and being able to, uh, even though you're in a family business, separate. Keep a separation between the family and the business. I, I know that is stressful for a lot of people. And it is an obvious choice for some people, though, to, you know, employ their other family members. It just, it makes sense for a lot of businesses. So um, can you tell us anything that you think, just as you observe other local businesses, that you think some businesses are doing well right now um, with, with uh, reaching their client base? And then we'll talk about on the flip side and see if there's some things that you maybe see some mistakes being made that maybe you could uh, give us a little bit of information about. So tell us something you think businesses are doing really, really well right now that you're seeing.
1: Um, one thing I think businesses are that they're doing well is they're connecting with their clients.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: because used to, you could put out an ad or send out a mail piece and the clients would come in. You didn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But now, um, businesses are having to stay in touch with them, and I see a lot of businesses that they're doing more of that. They're keeping in touch with their clients, and they're doing just different things for their clients. Uh, mm-hmm. Gosh, a, a great example, a local spa. They uh, One day, it was raining, and... Becky and I had went in there because Becky was getting her hair done, and it was a good, good waste of the car because it was downtown. It was raining. So what did they do? They're like, here you go. They hand us an umbrella.
2: Oh, wow. And
1: we're like, well, I'll run it back in. And they're like, no, you know, next time you're in, just bring it in. or you know, Wow. Businesses now, I think, are doing a great job of going – out of their way to help help their clients. Mm-hmm.
0: It's yeah, and you know I think it's it's part it's those personal touches that you would never you know it's the care and mm-hmm. it's the personal touches you would never see anywhere else. I'm also seeing, and this is not about what what I think or whatever, but I, I also see a lot of business owners. Taking the time to provide the education to their customers, whether it's whether it's content, content that they need or you know an education, kind of like you were talking about with the olive oil and the wine, and not the wine, the um, vinegar store. It you know on the surface, the average Joe you know olive oil uh, consumer probably has no idea where it came from, what it means, might not even know the difference in. Extra virgin olive oil, or just olive oil, or extra extra cold pressed, and you know there's all these variations. Um, What have you been doing anything, or are you seeing other people do anything that you could mention that about even providing that education or that content? That um, that I guess it's kind of survival, you know. The more you educate your customer, suddenly you've got a more discerning consumer who realizes they're not going to go get the store brands you know, olive oil and get the same thing or, you know, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. And you're right. It's it's that education, um, you know, businesses are offering the education. And now then you have some businesses. Well, I'm scared to offer that to our clients because they could go someplace else. Mm. They could, but more than likely they will not because they remember where that came from. They remember where those, you know, tips and tricks and, you know, different things that will help them, they remember where it came from.
0: Yeah. And I think that's just one more, you know, the more you connect with your people, the more prominent you are in their mind, you know, and so it's like you've got your little tribe and if you touch them every so often and give, you know, give them a little bit of information before long, you've kind of set yourself up as the authority person on whatever the the subject or whatever the market is for that person. And I think that's, you know, that's really exciting because um, we are seeing movements all across the country where, you know, buy local first or shift 10% of your income to local businesses away from the big box stores. You're seeing the farm-to-table movements and um, kind of a backlash, of uh, you know, against the whole corporate thing. I think after, you know, the recession and, you know, big banks are perceived with taking down the market and, and all that, and this is not to be a political statement, but I think people... People are realizing that corporations are not people sure. and that we are we are wanting to take back our communities and to take back our business and are not have to be dependent on government for you know, economic stimulus, but to provide it ourselves by being more conscious. And I think that is just a great way that business owners can tap into it by creating content and education. And even if it's free, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to give away your best, you know, best tips so that people will come back and pay for the things that they they can't get on their own. So that's a great thing. Um, right now for Phil Hyman Photography, we just started a new year here um, into 2014. What are you guys, uh, what's the next step for your business? What's on the horizon for you?
1: Well, the next step for us is, you know, just because... Yes, you know, we have the photography business, but at the same time, we have the uh, Phil Hyman Media. Um,
0: Okay, talk a little bit about that, because we haven't really covered much of that, um, the media part of that.
1: And, well, you know, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, wow, that was just a, that was just great, because we were talking about content, and it fits right in with what we're doing with the media uh, company, because... We're doing videos for small businesses, um, and pretty much everyone I've w- done work for has been local organizations, uh, nonprofits, or small business, and they're able to use YouTube, their website, Facebook to offer free content in videos.
0: Wow, and, that's fantastic!
1: Yeah, and you know to be able to take these videos, you know some of them are thirty seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, or, you know, normally at the most, two minutes, Mm -hmm. and put this information out there because they can say so much in 30 seconds compared to a, you know, three or four paragraph blog post. Right. And the cool thing is, if it's the business owner or if it's the face of that business, You see their expression, you see their interaction, and
2: Mm -hmm. you know
1: you almost feel like you kind of know them when you do go in to use that business, or you know when if you use the business and um, you see a video, you're like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. So I I just think it's really neat to be able to use video in uh, in marketing.
0: And so that's kind of where uh, Phil Hyman Media is coming in with the more of the instead of the still portraits that you do with the studio, mm-hmm. you're doing more video, um, using it for marketing more small local businesses Absolutely. and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Okay. You know that it's you know it's interesting when Google acquired YouTube. Um, I guess that's whenever everyone kind of realized that YouTube in and of itself is its own search engine. And I always maintain that you can learn to do anything from YouTube. Probably half the stuff you shouldn't even be doing you could learn <laughs> to do from YouTube. But um, there is, uh, there is, you know, that desire for people are consuming more video than ever. They're consuming more video on mobile devices than ever. And so to be able to take that and provide content and have them consume your stuff, then that's FaceTime that you're getting with those customers that, you know, it's all passive. You create that content once and then it's viewed over and over and over again. And you get so many more touches along the life of that video. Then you, I mean, you get to put a direct mail piece in someone's hand. You might get one or two people, Mm -hmm. you know, per uh, direct mail piece to touch that. But that video will have a life of its own. It might be shared It might be posted on Facebook. It might, you know, it might become part of larger content somewhere, and so you just never know. So I think that is a great thing to point out that um, video is something that small businesses really should look at trying to get a little bit more involved in because even for um, page rankings and that sort of thing on the Internet, um, video content with the algorithms ranks higher than blog posts and other text content, and so I think that's that's really important, and a lot of people have phobias of video. Uh, they don't like the way they sound. They don't like the way they look. They look fat. They look, you know, all these other things, but you know what? Most people, whenever they're looking at they want to find out what they need to know, and they're not really worried. You know, they're not expecting a... Uh, you know, a copper tone model or something to be presenting it. They would rather have someone that knows what they're doing and look like the average Joe.
1: Well, you know, so here's the cool thing. Um, matter of fact, I'm meeting with someone today at lunch, and we're going to be talking about exactly what I'm telling you. He, He's great speaking, but he just don't feel comfortable in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of information to cover. So what we're going to do is put together a PowerPoint type presentation. Absolutely. And use voice use his voice over it.
0: There are so many ways that you do you can make so much content, True. video content, and never ever have to appear on video at all. So great that you're doing that for small businesses because I know. Um, and even once people you know put their stuff out there and they see people consuming it. It sort of validates the whole, you know, the whole campaign, and then you get to where, where you're a little bit, maybe a little bit less gun-shy about doing the next thing, and so I think that's a great way to start if you're not comfortable with video. So Alex, as you run your business day-to-day, do you have a favorite tool, um, whether it's an internet tool or a software program or anything like that, that you use daily in running your business that maybe you couldn't live without?
1: Hmm. Probably one of my favorite tools right now is my iPhone. 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 Okay. Um, iPhone, iPad, um, something that we have just recently started using, we find very helpful with Facebook because, you know, we have the media page and we have, Phil Hyman photography page and we have my personal account. We have Becky's personal account. We have all these pages that we just right. sometimes we feel like we become a little too bogged down in mm-hmm. trying to think of things to post and how to post it and what time to post it. So it, there's a program that's called post planner. Okay. Uh, postplanner.com, com. And it has helped us plan out our Facebook stuff. So that way we can spend more time on hands-on type things. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: yet we don't neglect Facebook and we don't neglect that community. And we get comments and we're able to respond to those comments actually a little bit more in a timely fashion Mm -hmm. uh, because we feel like we're not on Facebook all the time. We can set – we set times aside, okay – we'll get on Facebook at lunch or, you know, mm-hmm. and really it comes down to time management. Um, I don't really use a time management app or anything like that, but, uh-huh. you know, I wish I could show you, uh, but one of the coolest things that is my favorite tool and it is mm-hmm. so old school.
0: <laughs> that's, you know, old school has it. That's well. right.
1: That's right. It is a probably, uh, three foot by four foot whiteboard
0: Ah, gotcha. that is
1: right above my computer. And I have three different colored markers and I just write stuff up there. You know, my daily to do list is written up there. It's written right mm-hmm. above me. That way I'm seeing it. When Becky comes in, she'll look at it and she'll, she'll say, Oh, you, you have to do that. So it helps her keep me on task.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And those old school things, you know, when something like that works for you and sometimes just having that visual in front of you all the time, you know, that's one of the the lean principles, you know, when you, if you've ever read, you know, lean the startup or mm-hmm. any of those other books about lean, it's keeping your work visual is part of it and making it visual and seeing it there, which, you know, with an app or something like that, If you remember to go look at it, it's there, you know, (laughs) but then you got to remember to go look at it. So um, and just I will also say this as a plug, I um, am not an, an iPhone user at this point, but I have seen. Amazing video content created by people that are using their iphone fives apparently um they you know some people think oh i i don't have all the equipment to create great videos I don't have the equipment i don't have the studio i don't have this and that, but you know if you have an iPhone, you can make it, and there are tutorials out there where you can make it of such good quality that no one will know you don't have a three thousand dollar camera
1: and as a matter of fact, it's not so much the iphone five it's the five s
0: 5S, okay, um, see, there's my novice iPhone uh, no, no, coming out. No, <laughs> no, no, but that's what we want people to know, because I guess there was something that happened with the technology or something, the, wasn't it? The actual pixels
1: of the chip mm-hmm. is larger on the 5S. Okay. So it's going to create um, better depth, uh, okay. just better flesh tone, and it can handle lighting a little bit better than right. the five or in, you know, beyond, back beyond that.
0: Well, that's great to know because I think, you know, a lot of people have that sitting there at their, you know, at their disposal and don't let equipment or any other barrier that you put, you know, that you would have saying, I don't have all the money to invest. You've got the iPhone 5S Go ahead and start experimenting with getting content out, and just do something and put it up, and see you know see how it gets a response from people. Because I think um, you would be surprised at the quality of the videos that come from that. Well,
1: and you know, not only that, you don't really even need that. Just I mean, you could get started right now with your computer and Skype.
0: Yep, that's because
1: true. you could call up a you know a client and say hey could we just like maybe a minute or two minute I have some questions for you just a little testimonial about you you know your experience Mm
0: -hmm. um absolutely yeah there I mean there's so many tools and you're right with a basic laptop you have normally got a webcam built in you've got a microphone built in just use the tools just I mean my biggest thing is if people that want to get into business or people that are wanting to take their business in a new level if they would just take action, and it might not be perfect, and for those of us that are perfectionists, you know, you have to get past that. But just go ahead and take the step and do something Today, because then that will lead to the next step tomorrow and beyond that. So that's, that's our motivation for, <laughs> motivational speech mm-hmm. for today. Take action. Now, Alex, um, we've talked a lot about um, all of your experience, and, and you've given us a lot of great information. Is there anything um, – I'll, I'll give you this opportunity to promote anything that you have going on with Phil Hyman Studios right now that you want to share with us that uh, people might need to be aware of.
1: Um. Gosh, you know what not you know what? You can go to our website and if mm-hmm. if people would like to subscribe to our e newsletter. Okay. Uh, we put out an e newsletter every month. And that's probably the best thing to do. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, between that are just, you know, local businesses. If you if you're needing help with trying to figure out what to do or, or if you want to use video but don't really know how, just give us a call. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, you know, some types of businesses lend themselves more naturally to the, you know, content videos Mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing. But there there might be some, you know, there's probably some ways that you could take almost any market and figure out a way to make relevant video for that market. And they just need to talk to someone like you who knows what they're doing with that. So that's great. Now, as a parting piece of advice... um, is there any wisdom that you have now that you, looking back, you said, man, I wish I would have known this when I got started, that you could share with somebody that maybe is just getting started?
1: Well, you know, that's interesting because I will never forget this piece of advice that I got from, and this woman, she when I met her, she was in her 80s. She was very heavily involved in the photography industry, um, and I was probably... I was probably in my teens when I met her. My dad introduced me to her. He said, you know, this is one of the smartest women you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. And dad said, you know, tell him what he should know, you know, getting in, you know, doing the photography business. She looked at me. She said, well, son, it's kind of like this. She said, I know some great photographers. Then I know some photographers that couldn't photograph their way out of a wet paper bag.
2: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> and she said some of these great photographers are starving because wow. they don't know business.
2: Oh. She
1: said but then some of the photographers that couldn't photograph anything, she said they're making a ton of money because they know business. Ah. So no matter what industry you're in, know your business. Know what, you know, just always be looking for new ways to improve the business. And, you know, everything else will kind of fall in place. But worry about the business. Worry about the numbers. Uh, Mm -hmm. Figure out how to streamline. Look at your bottom line. Mm -hmm. You know, all the all the unfun stuff.
0: Yeah, that you know, and I think the the one other thing that I would just kind of caveat on that is, you know, there are some people that are only going to be focused on their craft mm. and their you know that sort of thing, and so if you know that your business is not something you'll ever enjoy. And it's not something you want to do. You can hire people
2: sure.
0: that can absolutely handle all of that for you and give you great advice and lead you to a point where you can actually create, eke out a living doing your craft. Yep. And then you can hone it. So, you know, it's it's also about knowing where... Your strengths lie in saying, you know what, I am not going to be loving life if I have to spend 50 hours a week on the tax returns and the accounting and looking at projections and doing data analysis. You can hire people to do all that if you can't do it. But you know what, you still have to manage. You still have to know enough to Manage. manage them and ultimately make that decision for yourself. So that is excellent advice no matter what industry you're in know your business and don't forget about your numbers and your bottom line. So that is excellent. Alex, you've been a great guest today. I appreciate so much all the information you've given us. Um, What I'm going to do on the show notes page for anyone that's listening, you'll see all the ways you can reach um, and find um, Alex and Phil Hyman Photography online, and um, you know he's a great resource to talk to. So even if you're not local in South Carolina and you want to get in touch with him, uh, he might find another way to create a networking opportunity um, across the country. So um, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing everything you've shared, and we just appreciate it.
1: You know what? This has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it, and hopefully we can do it again.
0: I would love to, and I think, uh, you know, I think at, at some point in time we're going to be bringing people back on for updates, sure. and I, I'm so excited about that and figuring out where people are, because business changes. Sure. Over, You know, you don't, you're don't, you not doing your business the same way it was done seven years ago, so there's no point in, you know, creating um, the perception that this is, all, what you know now is all you'll ever know or ever be able to share about your business, so I'm excited to, to touch base with you in the future, too, so. Thank you so much, and I appreciate your time, and you have a good afternoon. Okay, Alan? Thank
1: you so much. You, You also. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.